LifePoint Church, what's up everybody? Come on, how y'all doing today? Now look, it's the 11.30 crowd. Y'all got plenty of sleep. I'm gonna ask that one more time like you're rested. How y'all doing today? That's right. Hey, what an exciting time we are living in today and so thankful for all of you that are here. My name is Mike, I get to serve as pastor of the church. And especially if this is your first time, Pastor Bell already said welcome, but we want to welcome all of our first-time guests, whether online, on-demand, or first-time in the room. Life Point, one more time. Come on, say welcome to our guests today. If you would do us a simple favor, we just want to make a simple connection with you. I promise not to harass you. But if you would either text the letters LPC to that number 31996, or if you're in the room, there's a connection card in the seat back in front of you. And as you're walking out, just hand it to one of our hosts at the back of the auditorium. We would love to follow up with you with some simple next steps. Well, hey, I just want to, um, I'm, I'm really excited about today. We've got a lot uh, in store for you, but there's two things that I need to, one, thank you for is your generosity. You continue to be a generous church. As you know, we give 10% of the income of this church. We give away and we tithe to missions, church partners, church planters. And uh, your generosity has made a way for us to do a lot this year already. You guys have just been giving so generous. And I want to encourage you to continue with that. And many of you are trying, trusting the Lord and tithing for the very first time. And so I just want to continue to encourage you to keep going with the Lord and, and watch him take care of your needs. But last week we were able to uh, be with one of our missions partners called Builders International, and they are building churches and schools all around the world. And your giving is helping make that happen. And so we were able to, on your behalf, give them a big gift, uh, $25,000 that we were able to sow into their ministry. And so thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity in that. Keep it up. And don't forget, next Sunday, schedule change. Think of it like time change Sunday, everybody, okay? Just think of it like daylight savings time. Uh, we are moving from a three-service schedule to a four, particularly because our 940 ser 945 service is just crowded to overflow into the lobby. We've been running lobby campus for uh, a number of months, in fact. And so we are moving that service, splitting into two. But we've asked our 8 o'clock crowd to come earlier to 7.30, and I'm prompt, they are excited about that. That middle service, all of you 11.30 folks are like, who in the name of God would come at 7.30? So that's why you're here today. Uh, the 9.45 crowd is going to split either direction 45 minutes earlier to 9 a.m. or 45 minutes later to 10.30. And we've been asking this crowd, this 11.30 crowd, thank you for coming, 11.30. You will now be the fourth service that starts at noon. And how many of you know, listen, if you come to the fourth service at LifePoint, it's bound to get wild. Who was here before when we did four services and came to fourth service and saw me lose my brain in preaching? There's nobody coming, so it gets crazy. And so, hey, but today is our last time with a three-service schedule. Next Sunday, we start back into four services. Thank you for making the adjustment. Listen, I'm not trying to inconvenience your life. We're trying to make room for more people to come to meet Jesus. Come on, that's why we're doing this. So thank you for coming later. Thank you for inviting your friends, bringing folks to come with you for church uh, all the time. So thank you for that. Well, I'm really excited about our, our guest today. Uh, he is a man that for many of us, you may already know who he is, doesn't need an introduction. For the rest of us, I'm going to give you one. Uh, if you don't know the structure of our church, we are led by our pastors, we're protected by overseers, and um, they, they are pastors out of house that, that guard and protect our church. And then I am pastored by a pastor. And how many of you are thankful your pastor has a pastor? He prays over me and my family and encourages us when we need it. He'll kick my butt when I need that too. That's never fun. But I'll take it because I trust him. And uh, he pastors 
I think one of the greatest, I think it's the greatest church in America. There's a reason I follow him. Uh, in fact, it's the best thing coming out of Alabama. How many of you know they need it? They need all the help. All you roll tighters, just be quiet for a minute. Uh, he pastors Church of the Highlands, which is birthed out of Birmingham and 26 locations across the state, as well as every correctional facility. I said this in every service. I truly believe if the Bible were still being written today, Pastor Chris Hodges would be named as an apostle of the faith. I think just how many thousands upon thousands of people know the Lord because of God's anointing on his leadership and pastoral care for the, just for the nation. Pastors all around the country and the world follow his leadership. We are honored to have my pastor in the house today, LifePoint. Could you get on your feet and give it up for Pastor Chris Hodges. Come on, everybody. Come on. Come on, give Jesus all the praise, everybody. Oh, that's not good enough. Come on, give him what he deserves. Awesome. All right, give your neighbor a high five and tell him, I'm so glad you came to church. Say it like that, church. Turn to the person on the other side who was your second choice and say, you need church. <laughs> There's always a second choice and you made the choice. There you go. It's good to be here today. Anybody glad to be alive? Anybody love Jesus? It's good to be here at church with you guys. And honestly, I've looked forward to this for a long time. I had the privilege of, of pastoring uh, a few pastors, uh, about 40 pastors that call me their pastor, and we get together a couple times a year, but this is my first time, in fact, this is my first time ever in this city, but to be at this uh, great church pastored uh, by uh, uh, Mike and Stephanie, and, and I think just so much of them, honestly, yeah, you, you want to love on them? Come on, show your love to your pastor, that's all right. Oh, they love you, brother. I said, and honestly, I, you know, I, I I know leaders. Let me just say it just plainly. I I know leaders. I get to be around a lot of them, and uh, you have truly some of the finest uh, in Pastor Mike and Stephanie. And that's why this church is flourishing and growing. You know, in the eleven years of their leadership here, you're just seeing exponential growth. The nation is taking notice. I mean, you've been named as the fastest growing church in the entire country out of three hundred thousand churches. That's pretty something. And to God be the glory. Amen, everybody. And, of course, you play a role, too, uh, obviously. I mean, you guys are giving and serving and, and loving your community in a way that's, that's making church attractive for people. So I want to thank you for that. So proud of you. I love you. And uh, honored to be here today to share God's word with you. I did, I, I did want to mention that, um, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not here to sell the book. I'm just here to let you know of a resource. I'm releasing a book that's coming out uh, next month on the topic of depression. I've never... Um, I, got, I got impacted by this in a variety of different ways um, about three years ago, and I'm very excited about this book, this resource that's coming out called Out of the Cave. Elijah, in, in 1 Kings 18, found himself in a, um, in a great spiritual victory, uh, and in chapter 19 was ready to commit suicide, just six verses later. He went from a spiritual high to the lowest of lows, and, uh, and there was reasons how he got into that cave of depression, but there's some clear ways out. In fact, um, many of uh, many of the uh, scholars and psychiatrists say there's about there's about about nine different causes of depression. Two of which are biological or genetic, meaning psychiatric care or mental health care or medical care is needed. And that's I have actually have a son who's on the autism spectrum, who has to have a little help to put, keep the wires connected, and, and 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 it helps him greatly. But there's about seven causes of depression. Uh, that we're doing to ourselves, that are, that, that, are, that are happening to us, which, by the way, should give you great hope. 
Because if it can happen to you, you can get out of it as well in Jesus' name. And, and God's got some great answers. And uh, Elijah actually took five steps to get out of the cave of depression. So if you know of anybody who's facing that or you yourself are concerned about that, this is, I really believe this is going to be a great resource. So uh, take advantage uh, of that today. In the introduction, uh, Pastor Mike forgot to tell you two things that are kind of important. I always like to add when I speak anywhere. And one is, is, is that I, uh, I'm actually from South Louisiana. I'm a Cajun. All right, and I say that as a disclaimer uh, to lower your expectations. So there you go, all right? <laughs> because we can't just, we're not the smartest people on earth, but we're a lot of fun, everybody, all right? So you might not learn anything, but we are going to have a good time. That, I promise you that. I love to tell stories. Uh, Cajuns are actually great storytellers. And coming into the service, Pastor Mike says, man, tell them a Boudreaux joke. Now, you're the only service that's gotten one. I'll just let you know. How many of y'all want to hear a Boudreaux joke? Yes, sir? I can literally, I do stand-up comedy. I did it for a, a, a long time, and I, and I could do like 100 of these in a row without stopping and with no notes. But anyway, but the last one I heard was Boudreaux went to the doctor because he was just hurting everywhere. And just every, he said, he said, doctor, everything hurts. He said, well, show me. He goes, see, oh, see doctor, that hurts. I said, doctor, that hurts. I said, oh, doctor, that, see, see do, oh, doctor, that hurts too. He said, Boudreaux. He said, what? He said, your finger's broken. Anyway, so there you go. All right, so turn your Bibles. You asked for it, brother, all right? <laughs> Genesis chapter 2. The other thing he didn't, uh, he didn't tell you in the introduction, that I've been, I'll be married 35 years next month. Pra praise God for that. Yeah, it's a long time. And, um, and so, and we have five kids. Have, I, I love my wife. One more kid than Mike, everybody. So I just, that's how that happens. So, so funny story. I wanted two. She wanted three. We had five. So anyway, we should have had the same ones. But anyway, um, uh, I'm, I'm a proud father and now have six grandchildren. It's the best part of my life, honestly. I had them all over last night. It's the best, best part of my life. Any grandparents in the room? Grandparents, grandparents? Yeah, come, come on. See, they always give a little yeah, because uh, grandkids are better than kids. They really are. So if you don't have any grandkids, don't kill your kids. Better ones are coming. All right, so there you go. Okay, Genesis chapter 2. All right, let's get to work here. I think laughter is good like a medicine, the Bible says. Amen. And I think especially in the day and age we live today, a little laughter wouldn't help any, uh, hurt anybody a bit. It just, it just helps us all. Father, I pray that you help me to communicate the scriptures, Lord, and let it come alive. God, we realize that the Bible is not just a normal book, but it has the power to fulfill itself. Lord God, that in the words themselves, there are power words. And so, Lord, we make room in our heart, not for a speaker, not a preacher, but for you, Lord, to speak into our hearts, let us never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody said a good amen. amen. Genesis chapter 2. Uh, Pastor Mike asked me to bring this message to you around um, one, what I consider to be one of the most fundamental, foundational messages that actually will impact every other message you'll ever hear and can impact every part of your life. It's a world, it's a worldview kind of a message. Um, we actually preach this five times, uh, once every five years, and then we have a curriculum in our church called Freedom. It's a small group curriculum where we take people through 12 weeks of kind of peeling back some of the, some of the issues that have happened in a person's past. It's our most popular small group by far, and, um, and this is part of this teaching. We teach them this worldview, and what it answers is this question, and that is, what is going to be my approach to God? It's like, what is gonna, how am I going to come to God? Because I believe personally everybody is on a spiritual journey. Everybody. Even non-Christians, even atheists 
or on a spiritual journey, even if they don't even believe in the spirit or in God, because they can't take the, the part of God that's in them. The Bible says that we're made in the image of God, which means we're the only part of creation that has a spirit man. And that spirit man is, is in constant pursuit or looking for God, even if you don't believe in God. You can't stop it. It's there. Because of that, check it out, everybody's on a spiritual journey, everybody. So you can't stop it. In Ecclesiastes, it says God has set eternity in the hearts of man. So you can't even stop that. When, 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 some, when you go to a funeral or you just think about life, you're going to wonder about the afterlife, even if you don't believe in the afterlife, because you can't stop it because there's a part of God in you. Are you following me, everybody? It's there. So all everybody is on a God journey. And that's why no matter where you go, and I've literally traveled the world doing missions-type work, everywhere you go, man is in search for God. You can't stop it. The question is, what is going to be your approach to God? And I'm going to teach you today the second story of the Bible. I'll get to it in just a second, but this is the second story of the Bible uh, about the tree of life, the, the trees that were put in the middle of the garden. Let me tell you this story just to kind of set it up. About 10 years ago, I was back in my hometown of Baton Rouge, Louisiana, to speak at my, my home church. They were hosting a pastor's conference, and they asked me to come speak at it. Uh, after uh, I, I did my session, I wanted to get back to Birmingham quickly. It's a six-hour drive from Baton Rouge to Birmingham. And, um, and, but there's a Southwest flight out of New Orleans. Now, New Orleans is only an hour south of Baton Rouge. So I had somebody bring me down to New Orleans, got on a Southwest flight, because uh, it's only like 40 minutes. It's only, it was only a 40-minute flight. Now, I'm not a big Southwest fan, because uh, I, like, I like things in order. I like things predictable and planned. And everything's up for grabs on Southwest, like pick your seat, doesn't matter which one, just help your, you know, and I don't do that. I just, I don't know. So I'm already nervous just in the, in the hurting line, uh, just, you know, and, and I'm wondering, because I'm with my wife, but they have three seats. It's a three-row seat, and there's only two of us, which means one of us is sitting next to a stranger, which is fine. I mean, but, but how many of y'all know you can get that person sometimes? It's that, that person. We say, what person? That person. You know, it's just, so anyway, so Tammy and I were negotiating on, on this one. She, uh, she, she got the she got the window seat. I got the middle seat. And now there's this empty seat next to me. And so the plane is still boarding. So we get on. We get the first row of empty three. I, she goes to the window. I go to the middle. And then here's, here's this seat. And I'm trying to send a signal to everybody coming on. Like, like, you don't want this. So I got my leg over there, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's like my, bag, my, my backpack's in the chair. <laughs> I'm trying to send every signal like, yeah, go pick something back there. It's, there's probably better room back there. When I heard this girl laughing real loud in the jetway, couldn't see her yet. I, I heard her before I saw her. I mean, like, and I think, oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? If you love me, please, Lord. So sure enough, she rounds the corner. She looked about, she's blonde-headed, just dancing, about 30 years old it looked like. I would guess, and she high fives the flight attendant real hard, like high five, and she and you know and so I, oh the, oh father, and um, and so she gets in the plane, and she starts high fiving every row, first row, first row, second row, second row, third row, third row, and and my prayer life is improving. Lord, if you love me, come on somebody, right? <laughs> and sure enough, she plops, she sets right down the chair, and I just kind of try to lean over to Tammy. It's like what up, girl? You know, my wife just. Anyway, so the plane takes off, the little cart comes down, she gets, uh, she gets a drink, and I would probably think it was another drink. Y'all know I'm talking about everybody, this wasn't the first one of the day, but anyway, she, 
She gets this drink. After the cart goes by, she elbows me in my ribs, and she says, so, what do you do for a living? And when you get asked that as a pastor, you have to decide if you're going to lie or not. You really do, you know, so... Because I have said before, well, I'm in sales, which is true, by the way. And I said, well, I said, well, I'm a pastor. And she said, well, duh, we're all passengers. I said, no. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor like of a church. And her next line was, oh, well, I don't like Christians. And I knew the kind she'd been raised around, so I decided to play along. And I said, well, me too, girl. That's why I had to start my own church. And I said, and she goes, I don't understand. I said, well, Christianity has a branding problem. Uh, there are several out there, and many of them are nothing close to the Bible. They're very religious, and if you get exposed to it, you're not going to want anything to do with it. It's horrible. It's, it'll suck the life out of you. She goes, yeah. I said, but that's not how the Bible describes God. And I started talking to her about the kind of Christians that I knew she'd probably met. I said, they've probably been pretty hard. In fact, they probably told you that you have to behave before you can belong. She said, yeah. And that you have to believe before you can belong. She said, yeah. I said, that's not what the Bible says. I said, actually, Jesus was notorious for going after people who were far from God, and they enjoyed being around him more than the religious people did. She said, really? She goes, I've never heard that before. I said, yeah, because it's in the Bible. And... Um, <laughs> And they don't really talk about that much anymore. And she goes, so I had her. I was all ears. But the plane's landing now. So we're done. And, and so it's, it's a short little flight. And she's coming on to Nashville next. It was, it was one of those flights. She's, so, so we stood up. She stands up to let us off because she's on that, that, that aisle seat. And, and as I'm, Tammy and I are walking off, she goes, well, I have to have more. And I said, okay, well, well I have to go, obviously. But, but if you'll watch our church service Sunday, we stream live. And I'll finish answering your questions. I'll make the message fit our conversation. And I did. I changed the whole message in the hopes that she was watching. And I said, not only that, she was, her name was Tanya. I said, Tanya, if you'll watch, I'll give you a shout out. She goes, you will? I said, oh, yes, I will. <laughs> so I started the service. Welcome, everybody, Church of the Highlands. Glad all of our campuses are watching today. I want to say a big hello to the men and women in the Alabama Department of Corrections. We're in 20 of those facilities every Sunday. And I want to give a special shout-out to my good friend, Tanya. Girl, I told you I'd do it. Like, I, I didn't know if she was watching or not, but I, fin I finished our conversation in my message. The next day, I get an email from her. And she, by the way, she entitled it, Dear Passenger Chris. <laughs> so, um, but... Um, and she goes through this conversation of how she had rejected God based on what she had experienced from other Christians. And she goes, I realize now how silly that is to allow that to determine how I view God. And she finished her salutation with, I'm ready to surrender my life to God. So she left her phone number. Yeah, she left her phone number, and I called her and led her to Jesus on the phone. And Tanya from Southwest Flight 35 gave her life to Jesus that day. It was awesome. It was awesome. By the way, we still keep in contact uh, to, this, to this day. But what, she hap what happened to her was what I'm going to try to explain to you today, that there are two different approaches to God that actually can look close to the same. Now, they're found in the second story of the Bible, like I told you. The first story, if you're wondering, is creation. Go read Genesis chapter 1. God creates everything. Heavens, earth, water, land, plants, animals, humans. He creates. It's a beautiful story. Second story of the Bible. He puts man in a garden called Eden. And watch what the Bible says in verse 8. Now the Lord God planted a garden in the east in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. 
And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye good for, and good for food. But in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, this is where most people's theology is actually incorrect because most people think God put two trees and one of them was a God tree and one of them was a sin tree. And that's your two choices. Either be a good person or be a bad person. That's your two choices. In fact, most stories even show it as an apple tree. The word apple's nowhere in the text. But a lot of times you'll see in these children's books, you know, Eve's over in the bushes with her hair covering stuff and it bites in an apple. Well, all right. Well, that's not how the story happened, actually. Uh, the Bible says that the two trees were the tree of life. Watch the second one. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was an approach to God. Are you going to come to God through life? I'm going to explain that in a minute, what that word means. Or are you going to learn it? Are you going to approach God through mental things, knowing, just knowing good or evil? I'm going, to, I'm going to learn it in my head, but never experience it in my heart. Now watch what happens next in verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat. And the word eat means to ingest, consume, or let it become your worldview. You are free to let become your worldview any tree of the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For whenever you congest, ingest, consume, let it become. If that becomes your worldview, you're going to hate Christians. You're going to die. You won't like it. You'll inherently know it's right. Watch this. You'll know it's right and not want to do it. You'll know it's the right thing to do, but there's nothing in you that actually wants to do it. And for most people, if you had them describe church, God, or Christianity, that would be their narrative. Which, by the way, is not your narrative. And which is why you guys are, keep adding services and growing. That's why I've been picking on your pastor all day. Because he calls it a lobby campus. <laughs> a campus in a lobby. That ain't a lobby campus. That's a lobby full of people who don't have a seat in this one. That's like, you know what I'm saying? It's just, you, you, what are you going to do next? Sit on the floor in the parking lot campus? I mean, like, what are you going to keep? You know? Right. But the point is, when you have the right thing, you can't build enough buildings and get enough chairs to fill it. They're, they're not staying away from it. They're not the Easter, I call it the, 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 the lily and poinsettia crowd. I had a pastor I saw on Easter. It cracked me up. I didn't do it. He, he, when he had his Easter, I was watching his Easter service. He said, Happy Easter and Merry Christmas. He said, I'm going ahead and tell you Merry Christmas because I know that's the next time I'll see you. You know what I'm saying? Like, which I thought, that's terrible. I, don't, I thank God I, he doesn't have to say that. You're, you're here at, between Easter and Christmas. Why? Because you want to be here. It's life. Are you following me, everybody? This is very important. And you can get your view of God and your approach to God completely different, uh, wrong. Watch what happens next now. Just go to the next chapter. So first chapter of the Bible is creation. Second chapter of the Bible is a choice of how you're going to approach God, which, by the way, is the same two steps for your life. You were born. You were given a choice. Third story of the Bible is in chapter 3, and this is the devil. By the way, that's the third story of your life, too. You were born. You're given a choice, and there's a devil trying to make sure you don't make the right one. So verse 1 of chapter 3, now the serpent was more crafty, so he's crafty, than any of the wild animals. And he said to the woman, did God really say? By the way, the devil always tries to get you away from God by getting you to question God's word. 
Got to be very careful, especially in the culture we're living in right now that's challenging everything that's in our Bibles, that we are a church who will stand for, defend, preach, and believe God's holy word. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? It's very, very important. He says, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Which, by the way, that's not what God said. He didn't say you can't. Nope. The devil comes along and says, nope, you can't have them, any of them. And that's not what he said. He says, no. She says, she corrects him. The woman said, no, actually God says we may eat from actually all the trees of the garden, but God did say you must not eat the fruit that is in the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it, that one single tree, or you will die. And then the devil questions God again and says, no, you're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open. Don't miss this detail. Watch it carefully. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. See, a lot of people think that the devil's job is to make you a bad person. But that's not what he was doing here. He was actually appealing to Eve's desire to be godly. He was tricking her into a godliness that was the wrong way to approach God. So then they're going, <laughs> be a bad girl, be a bad. No, he wasn't doing that. He was saying, hey, come over here. Let me show you how to be a good girl. He was appealing to her desire to be godly which is how he does it, and he'll confuse people. Because I maintain that Tanya and everybody else like her actually wants God. Inside, deep down inside, know it's real, but the enemy has lied to them. And it says, and when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then two things happen every time you eat from the wrong tree. The eyes of both of them were opened, loss of innocence, so no, you're, you're, you're mad about it. You're just like, yeah, yeah, just loss of innocence. And they realized they were naked, shame. Loss of in, in, innocence, shame. And you find Christians eating from the wrong tree to this day or people that are trying to pursue God, you always see two things, loss of innocence, they're doing it but don't like it, or they still feel bad about themselves. And they feel, they feel like they never measure up to God's expectations for their lives. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They kept their own approach to try to get to God. It's the two trees. So here's what I want to do. That's the theological part. Let's make it simple. Let's put the cookies on the bottom shelf so everybody can have one. All right, here we go. Four, let me give you four delineations between those two trees just very quickly, and then I'll show you how you can always be a tree of life church and a tree of life Christian. By the way, I know that's why your pastor wanted this message preached because he sees this church growing, and he sees that you actually have already done this very, very well and like me, he's desperate to make sure we stay this way, that we're a place that people are attracted to God, not, not feeling condemned that they're not in the room here with us. Amen, everybody? Y'all with me? Two choices. Let me, give you, let me give you four. I'll just show you the difference between the two. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil always says you have to do more, do more. It's all, always about your works and your actions. You need to do more to get to God. So you need to read more, pray more give more, serve more, and that's what you'll hear. And the people who think they do it better than you are happy to tell you you're not doing it enough. So they'll t they're happy to tell you that. They, they, it's a performance-based Christianity. I call it a Wizard of Oz view of God. Some of y'all are way too young to even know who the Wizard of Oz is, but I grew up in the generation. We watched this movie. If you've ever seen it, this old movie from, I think it's from the 30s, this old, this old mo movie where... Dorothy and her gang are trying to get some things from someone who could give it to them, but they'll have to perform first before they get it. Sure, I can send you back home to Kansas, 
but you're going to have to go get that broom first. And some people see God that way. He's happy to bless you, but you're going to have to prove some things first. Listen to me. God, your God is not a withholder. He is a blesser, and you never have to perform for God. In fact, the tree of life receives what Jesus already did. That Jesus, We have a song we sing, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Can I hear a good amen, everybody, right? And so I don't read my Bible. Watch this. I don't read my Bible. I didn't read my Bible this morning to make God like me or to check my Bible box. I did it because I wanted to get to know him better. Let me read it to you. In John chapter 5, verse 39. Are y'all getting anything out of this today? This is very, very important. Watch what Jesus said. Look at this verse. You diligently study the scriptures because you think if you are a studier of scriptures, you will possess eternal life. He says, but that's not at all how it happens. These are the scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me and have life. You thought it was in the amount of Bible you read, and you were supposed to find the person in the words, not the words themselves. Jesus, this, you need to use this to get to know me. Let me show you a different way. Here's the second way. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is trying to get God's approval because you inherently think God is not approving of you. <laughs> He's, I, call him, I, I call him mad God. A lot of people have ma mad God. They have this, God's mad. He's, he's inherently mad, disappointed with earth, disappointed with me. But that's not what the Bible says at all. In fact, the tree of life says you can receive the fact that God already loves you. He loves you. He loves you right now. Look in my eyes and hear this. God knows what you did last night. He knows what you've been thinking all week, and he's still madly in love with you. And does he approve? No, no, no. He, he can accept you without approving of a behavior. It's just like as a parent. When my kids do something wrong, I don't hate them. I just wish they'd act, I wish they'd act better, but I actually love them more. Um, I, I tell this story. I've only began telling this story because we're enough years away from this story that uh, it can protect, protect the guilty, uh, na namely one of my kids. <laughs> so anyway, but I had, I had one of my kids actually get arrested once. Um, and it happened on a good Friday about 10 years ago. Thank God, on a good Friday. On good Friday. I just preached my heart out. I got 100,000 other services coming up over the weekend. Ring, 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 ring. Yes, sir. This is the police. We got one of your kids. All right. Praise the Lord. That's awesome to hear. All right. So, and so I go to this, this scene and my, my son had engaged in some underage drinking and, and some neighbors called it in. So anyway, so when I come up to this police scene, <laughs> the dad of one of the other kids is, is there berating his, his son. That's it. Sick of you, sick of you. This is I, this is the last straw. I'm putting you in a military academy here. I'm sending you. All, I, I forgot what he said. This kid would, and this kid just had this stone face, just looking at his dad, just like that. And his dad just ripping into him. And I thought, I need to get this right. Um, so I said, Well, where's my son? They said, Well, he's over in that police car in the back seat. I said, Okay. And the window was rolled down. <laughs> and so, having just seen that, I thought I need to do a little differently. So I leaned over in the window and went. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Like, <laughs> and he just starts bawling, crying. And I said, I have never loved you more than I love you right now. And you have never needed me more than you need me right now. <laughs> That's God's view of you. When he sees you, he's not the first dad. He's the second dad. Does he approve? No, I didn't approve. 
And, and by the way, he's, he's serving God today, 10 years later, with all his heart, leading people to Jesus. He's doing phenomenally well now. And perhaps, just perhaps, I played a role in that because I gave him the right view of what a father should actually be. Can I hear a better amen out there? Are y'all listening to me? This is, you need to see how this is, this, is his, how, this is how God sees you. Let me give you a third one. The tree of the knowledge, good and evil, focuses on the external. And what I mean by that, as long as you look right on the outside, you're fine. That's not true. You can do a lot of things right on the outside and not have it right on the inside. Jesus confronted this. This is actually the verse that I came to faith in Jesus on, Matthew chapter 7, where he says, many will, on that day will say, I prophesied, cast out devils, and did miracles in your name. And Jesus said, I'm sorry, I can't let you in because I never knew you. They were looking for the external. Jesus says, no, it's all about the internal. The tree of life focuses on the internal. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, the Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Here's the last one. I'm going to bring this message to a close. The, la the last delineation between the two, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil says you obey God out of duty. In other words, you have to. You just have to. So you never enjoy it. You just have to do it. Where the tree of life, you're obeying because you want to. In fact, I want to ask that question for you guys. Do you have to or do you want to? Do you have to pray or do you get to pray? Do you have to read your Bible? Do you get to read your Bible? 1 John chapter 5 says, this is love for God to obey his commands, but the commands are not burdensome. Wait a minute. Yes, they are. You go read the Bible. That's one of the toughest books you'll ever try to do if you're not in love with God. But if you're in love with God, every one of those becomes something you want to do, want to become. Are you following the difference? And this is an important difference. So what do we do? Let me give you three things and we'll close. And it's so simple. Fall in love. Just fall in love with Jesus. See, Chris, is it really that easy? Yeah. When you think about two things, who he is, what he's done. And I'm doing everything in my power today, like I did Tanya, to make sure you understand really who he is. Because a lot of times the church and religion can paint a completely different picture than what God actually looks like. Who he is. And what he's done, what has he done? He took on what you did wrong and paid for it so that you'd never have to pay for it. <laughs> I can't think of a better, th like God is so in love with you that he allowed his son to die so he could get to know you. Now, I love you, but not that much. If my son dying is the condition for you and I knowing each other, nice knowing you. I mean, let's be honest. And God so loved you that he allowed his son to die to get to know you. That's pretty amazing. And when you understand that, it's hard for you not to fall in love. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? It's just, it's just kind of hard not to fall in love. Second thing is, it's very important. If you're taking steps to being a tree of life person, we have to be sure. This one's huge. Don't miss it. We have to respond to sin with life. Let me explain. So now that we are life-giving, people are going to sin and you're going to sin. The question is, what are you going to do when that happens? Because a tree of the knowledge, good, evil person will be sure to point it out and condemn that person. But a tree of life person is always ready to give grace. Please don't miss this. Let me tell you why this church is growing. Because they, they speak the truth here. Your, your pastor is one of the best Bible teachers 
I've ever heard, honestly. He understands scripture and he can teach it. But it's not just from this teachy standpoint. It comes with this, this grace environment that people want to be in. One of my favorite stories in scripture is the woman caught in adultery, John chapter 8. You guys, yeah, come on out. Play, play behind me and make the rest of this sound really spiritual. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> John chapter 8, it's a beautiful story. A woman's caught in the act of adultery. According to the law of Moses, she, she, they have the right to stone her to death on the scene. So the, all the accusers are there, ready to stone her. Of course, Jesus famously says, let he who has no sin cast the first stone. And the, and the crowd disperses. By the way, it says they left one by one while he was doodling in the dirt. Now, we don't know what he was doodling, but he was down there writing, and the Bible says they left one at a time. Now, I have a theory, and it might be wrong, but it sure is fun to think about, all right? Because it says they left one at a time. I think he was writing out in the, in the dirt the names of their mistresses. <laughs> Sally. <laughs> just an Cindy. Anyway, so I just, but all I know is they left. <laughs> just a theory. I, I'm just offering it. You're welcome. <laughs> Until it was just Jesus and this woman. Now watch this. Don't miss this. And he never says, okay, say you're sorry. That's not his, that's when his first words. Okay, come to the altar. That wasn't his first words. Okay, I need you in my office because you're really messed up. We need, you need a counseling session. That wasn't his first words. Now, did, she, did she need all that? Absolutely. But that's not what happened first. Don't miss this. He says, where are your accusers? I don't have any. Neither do I accuse you. And then his next line was, now go leave your life of sin. Grace invited her to be free so the truth could set her free. And that's what creates a life-giving environment. Do we speak the truth? Of course we do. Do we believe the Bible? Of course we do. Are we going to preach it like it says? Of course we are, especially in the generation we live in now. But we do it in the hopes to win them. That's why grace and truth. Are y'all following me, everybody? And that's why the last encouragement I give you, first, fall in love. Respond to sin the right way. And lastly, guard your heart against going back. Because all of us, gosh, especially after a year like last year, it's kind of hard not to become cynical, mad. It's like everybody's mad at everybody right now. I don't like you. I never liked you either. Well, I'm going to put it on Instagram. Help yourself. Please don't get caught up in all that. No, we're going to be people of life. And we're going to make sure that even through years like we experienced last year, however it has impacted you, they won't put a smile on our face and love our God. I always tell people, love, lo love, love people and hate the devil. Don't ever get that backwards. Why don't you close your eyes right there where you are. I feel the presence of God here. And Father, that you're lifting the burden of really a, a difficult year. And some God are just... It's been challenging. And I pray, God, that you would lead them to the tree of life. God, they're falling in love with you all over again. And, Lord, they're just going to treat people the way they would want to be treated. Lord, we're going to be just like you, Jesus, in every situation. Lord, I speak over the future of this church. God, as you can continue to grow it and add services, 
Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're doing that because, because God, there's, there's life in this place. There's life here. And so, Father, I pray, God, that you would use them to continue to reach this entire region in the mighty name of Jesus. Heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room. Even if you're watching online, would you just bow your head right there where you are? And if you're here today, and maybe you're like Tanya, it's like maybe, maybe you've been turned off by God or religion or burned or backslidden, but you're ready to come back. You're ready to come home. You want to know God. You, everything in you actually wants to surrender the control of your life over to Him. I'm not going to make you stand up. not going to call you down to the front. But I would love to pray for you right there where you are. If that's you, say, Chris, I really want to know God. I want to be in a relationship with Him, and I want to love Him that way. And I, I, I sense God's drawing me right now. Pray for me. If that's you, would you make eye contact with me? Give me a little wave. Say, count me in that prayer. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Good job, my man. Any, yes, 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 yes. Thank you. I want to see your eyes. Yes, yes, yes. I just love looking people in the eye. Well done, my friend. Good job at the very top. Yes, yes. Anybody else? Just count me in. If I didn't see you, just, just make eye contact with me. Thank you, ma'am. Yes, sir. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? Just ready. I'm ready. Thank you. Thank you. Good job, my man. Best day of your life, right, today. God had you here for this moment. Anybody else that I just missed? Just want to see you. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. It's awesome. It's a bunch of people responding to this life-giving place and this life-giving gospel. I want every voice to pray this prayer out loud. In fact, I want you to pray it strong. Come on, every voice, let's join together. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, paying for my sin. I receive what you did for me by surrendering my life completely to you. Forgive me. Change me. Come live inside of me. Make me the person you want me to be. Now say it strong, every voice. Say, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. And today, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, congratulate the newest members of the body of Christ. Come on, everybody.